Before we dive into the, the, the uh, teaching this morning from the Word of God, uh, just let me say a, a, one more thing about our three by five. At the beginning of the year, there's a lot of things, but these are, these are good things. The, uh, the three by five uh, postcards, or uh, bookmarks actually, are at the back table. Three by five. Three segments of our time with God that we're encouraging you to uh, engage with again this year as we, as we did last year. Five minutes uh, engaging with the Word of God, five minutes in prayer and talking to God, and five minutes in the hard thing of listening to God that I need to grow at as well, along with the 2024 Daily Time with God book, but we had a bunch of them out last Sunday and most of them went, uh, so that's so exciting. Someone this morning said, I'm engaging with this, and just, I, I, I can't put into words, uh, and, and many of you know this from your own discipleship journey as an apprentice of Jesus over the years, how important it is to, to develop and cultivate uh, a consistent time spent with God each and every day, separate from those spontaneous pray without ceasing kind of conversations that, that many of us have and, and need to grow in as well. So these are tools to help with that. So please take advantage. Let's, let's engage with this in the coming year uh, together as a church family. Father, we pray that you would open in your own divine, creative, and powerful way, that you would open your word to our hearts today. And please, also open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word and to respond as you would want us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fuel for spiritual momentum. We're going to get to our back to our John series two weeks from today. Uh, next week, Pastor Joel is speaking about hearing God as a uh, kind of a precursor to that Hearing God seminar that we're excited to be offering. Um, so a couple of weeks from today, we dive back into the Gospel of John, and we're just kind of moseying through that, and in in I'm not sure how long we'll be there, but that's an exciting book to be, uh, to be engaging with in coming months. But today, again, fuel for spiritual momentum. Spiritual momentum is our, uh, in our individual lives. Uh, is, not, is not detached from spiritual momentum in the collective body of believers in a local church. They feed off each other, actually. And the three categories of fuel that we're going to be looking at in this message are, are, are vital to, uh, to, to gaining and maintaining and cultivating momentum in our, in our lives individually and as a church body. When I think of m momentum, uh, what momentum looks like, I, I often get this picture, and I saw another video clip of these crazy guys doing this. Uh, I, I think of someone getting into a big tractor tire, and you know where I'm going with this, right? How many of you have done that at the top of a hill with so-called friends who push you over the crest of the hill? Any, anybody is? Admit, okay, we, we should do an interview here, Otis. And you, but you're here today and excited about that. Grateful, grateful for that because, um, yeah, I, I mean, hopefully friends that do that choose a hill that doesn't have trees at the bottom and all of that. But if you're the one in that tire, you quickly become aware of what momentum is. Momentum. I, 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 never, I never touched physics in high school. It was too closely related to math for me. And I don't know what it was with, with math, but it had a problem with me. 
for some reason. We just, we just did not get along. But I, I know the equation. Uh, P equals M mass times V velocity. Now, the P stems from uh, a Latin word that means to push forcefully. Uh, now, Velocity, I know. Some of you, if you've been around Eaglemont Church for a, for a length of time, you've heard me refer to my beloved 1970 Pontiac GTO that I bought when I was 18. I knew velocity. You know, 400 cubic inch engine, four barrel carburetor, posi traction, all of that. I, lots of fun and a few <laughs> demerits. Um, when I, when I pushed that accelerator down, I, I knew firsthand the P equals M times V equation. Yeah, momentum, momentum is fun in, in the right context. And, and you know what? It's no different in spiritual life. Jesus wants spiritual and missional momentum to be the characteristic of our lives and of His church, which is, again, we say it often, but in case you're exploring and you're, you're new in the orbit of our church family and maybe new to what the Bible says about anything and everything. What it says about the church is the church is not an institution, not a denomination, not a building. Uh, those things have purpose, but the church is the body. We, together, as Christ, those of us who have committed our lives to follow Christ, together as a collective body, were the church locally expressed in a universal, worldwide church of God. So the Great Commission, Jesus' words in Matthew 28, you can read them, where he says, go to us. You know, um, Jesus' words about being a disciple-making community. And at its core, those words of Jesus later in the chapter, verse 28, uh, chapter 28 of, uh, of Matthew, are essentially a go and grow command. Now, we need to remember that it's, it's God who brings the increase. That, that's, that pressure should not be on us, although we maybe feel it sometimes. Because we want our friend to know Jesus as we know Jesus. And we somehow, at times, I don't speak for myself anyway, you know, we start to almost take responsibility for their response to the good news message that has been shared with them. That, that's, no, no, God brings the increase. A person still has to choose to surrender, but that's God's work by His Spirit in, in, in people's lives. And so there are, there are times when they're, it maybe isn't very much um, identifiable evidence, if we can put it that way, uh, of what we think of as momentum or what it should look like. At times, momentum can be simply, I, I believe, the, the deepening of spiritual roots so that when God does bring a time of growth in numbers, then those new believers can more easily find a place of belonging and be be, be brought into the body in a, in a more meaningful and, and loving way. So let's talk about three spiritual practices that are fuel for spiritual momentum in our, again, our individual lives and uh, our, our church life. And if you've been a Christ follower for a while, these will not be new to you. So please don't shut down, okay? When we hear that which is familiar, I, I find it takes more intentionality. And this is for me in, in reading the Bible, too. I'll get to places where 
I know this so well. Not in an arrogant way. I've just been around a long time and I've read the Bible over many years, as many of you have. Isn't it easy just to kind of mentally shut down? Uh, kind of not intentionally close our hearts, but I, I, I'm not sure how to describe that. I don't want to take any more time on that, except to say in those times, and this morning might be one for some of you, the three things that are fuel, prayer, serving, and giving. I, you're saying, I know that well, biblically, and, and you do. It takes more intentionality now to say, God, I'm opening my heart to this truth that, that I do know, but show me more. Show me more about how you want me to respond. So that's what I'm asking you to do to, together with myself this morning. As, as we begin, I want to stress that everything about spiritual momentum begins and ends with the work of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and empowers us as we ask Jesus, who is the baptizer, to immerse us and fill us with his Holy Spirit. And on that note, I, I would encourage you to take, uh, you know, there's other reading plans we're talking about, but maybe the first 28 days after today, you want to take and read one chapter a day in the book of Acts, the historical book of Acts, 28 chapters, Read a chapter every day with an openness and a prayer to say, Holy Spirit, work in my life that way. Just throwing that out there. So, three spiritual and biblical practices that are fuel for spiritual and missional momentum. And by missional momentum, I, I just mean uh, living how God wants us to live in this broken world as representatives of Him. Jesus used the imagery of being salt and light. And I won't take any time to comment. We've got to keep moving. So, first source of fuel. I said it already. Prayer. Heard about prayer this morning. There's opportunity. If, if as a church body we want to see people in our community come to know this, this new life in Christ that we have experienced, prayer is, you know it, non-negotiable. That's why you'll often hear us highlight these opportunities of prayer or our monthly prayer encounters, as we, as we call them, uh, with comments like, church, the most important thing we can be doing is seeking God together, is praying into what He's leading us to do, is seeking Him for His intervention and His provision and His guidance and His wisdom and His strength and His comfort and praying for one another. I mean, it's not just a promo verbiage when we say the most important thing we can be doing as a church is praying together. It's not just a thing to say. It's so true. Acts 1.14 talks about the early church. They all joined together constantly in prayer is the example we have. And as a result of that prayer, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit for effectiveness and, and consequently experienced momentum in the gospel mission that Jesus had given them. We, we, again, we read about it in the historical book of Acts. And once again, to clarify by this term, spiritual momentum, I, I mean individual believers having positive and loving influence for Christ on, on, on people they know in their, in their orbit of relationships. And additionally, each local church also having this same influence in their greater community by, loving, by, by, by lovingly sharing the, the grace-filled, hope-giving gospel, good news message of Jesus, and, 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 and serving, no strings attached, and all that comes with that. It's a sobering statement, but true. 
that a prayerless church that, that can be doing a lot of other good things, but a prayerless church impedes, hinders the momentum of the mission that Jesus wants to happen and has called his church, this church, to, of sharing the gospel message clearly and creatively and by the Spirit's power. You see, in, in, this, in the physical world, momentum is lost when there's drag. That's, that's, that's one of the reasons why competitive cyclists, what do they do? They shave all their exposed body hair. Hardcore cyclists. Cyclists that, that, that race. Because we all know how slower they're going to be if they don't shave their leg hair. It's like, really? <laughs> we may laugh. No, no, we don't. If you're a cyclist, we don't. We may think it's interesting, let's say it that way. But it, 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 it's marginally so, but still verifiably true. And I, in the study for this sermon, I, I read a study I, uh, about that. And it was uh, interesting and enlightening. Prayerlessness in the church causes spiritual and missional drag. And if you're a Christ follower who, who cares about reaching people, and, and so many of you do, like me, you, you, you don't want that. You don't want that drag. I'm, I'm telling you that if every one of us who, who, who are Christ followers and are a part of the Eaglemont Church family all grew even incrementally in, in, in this year in our prayer life, we'd, we'd, we'd see our walk with Christ deepen. We'd see increased effectiveness in the mission that Jesus has put before us. I, I'm, just, I'm just convinced of that. And so how can you grow in prayer? Well, there's good resources, there's good books, there's, there's people that are further down the path than you are spiritually. Pick their brain. Find somebody. Talk to me. I, I did the, the, the interaction between uh, believers is in, in this type of thing is just so important. But, but there's also... Uh, something you can do. You can make a commitment. This might seem self-serving. It's not. It's, it's serving you when I challenge you to look at the dates of our prayer encounters this year, and they're going to be on the screen, or maybe they are already, and pick two as a starting place. Select two right now. Right now. Write them down. Put them in your account right now and say, I'm committing to go. Yeah, I haven't gone because I'm afraid that I'm going to be put on the spot to pray out loud. Let me just say, you, you won't be. And if you are, God will help you. Let's say that. <laughs> but but it's, it's not, you know, there's, there's freedom. There's, there's freedom to be quiet in prayer. There's freedom to agree in prayer. And yes, we, we, we encourage you to, to, to lean into. I've been a part of prayer times when someone I know is, is really not comfortable doing that, and then they end up doing it. And what, I, what do I hear consistently? What do I hear after? That was freeing. Or, or, and and you, you just know that God used them to encourage others by what was in their heart, and they expressed it to God, and other believers just got to hear hear and agree together with it and the whole group of people in that prayer gathering are lifted and encouraged and strengthened that's a that's a beautiful and powerful thing so i encourage you two two prayer encounters our monthly prayer encounters and of course in addition our hope is that you'll be at 
all of the three prayer gatherings tonight, tomorrow, and Tuesday night, but, but if you absolutely can't, pick, pick one, pick two, just, just engage, engage. It's meaningful. It's, it's eternal. I often say this in our prayer gathering before church. This is eternal stuff we're doing when we verbalize the, 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 the desires of our hearts before God together. It's eternal stuff. Several years ago, I received a text from someone in our church family who was out getting some exercise early on a Sunday morning, and they, they let me know that as they were, as they were running, well, this is, what they, this is what they wrote. Just want you to know, I, I got this on a, a Sunday morning. I think it was just before church. Well, I tell you, this was lifting. I, I just want you to know, I was praying lots on my run this morning for our town, for the marriages of this town. That's before it was a city. And of our church, I ran around the church building a couple times, praying for our church family. Love it. Love it. The, the, uh, praying for the ministry we do. Praying for the people that will walk into the gathering today. And people who haven't been in, the, the ch- in church for many years and praying also for you and the pastoral team. I tell you, that's, that's, that's powerful. That's encouraging. But it's something that any one of us can do. Those of you that exercise like that, what do you do on your time? Podcasts are good, sure. But prayer as a part of it, what a, what a neat thing. I mean, that's powerful stuff and easy, again, for any one of us to do. Because prayer, in simple terms, is talking to God about things that matter to us and to Him. It's something we can do throughout any moment of every day. And as you do, you'll find that you'll be, you'll, you'll be drawn. You'll be drawn closer to Jesus as you, as you start to do this, as you start to converse with God and just share what's on your mind and heart, the stresses, the joys, the, the concern for somebody, the, just talking to Him and, and endeavoring to listen too. And again, that's not an easy thing, but hey, we've got a great seminar for you, by the way, coming up. Um, but, but yeah, listening, learning the discipline of, of, of listening to God. I mean, as you do that, your confidence in God's care for you and your family will grow. You'll, you'll start to see God's hand move. Not that His hand wasn't moving before, but I believe you'll, you'll, identify, you'll be able to identify those things, those times of His, as we say it, His hand moving um, in, in life, in our life, and you'll notice it more quickly and, and, and more often. I believe that. Communication, of course, is an important part of any relationship, so it's no, no different with our relationship with God. Second thing, fuel for spiritual and missional momentum, serving. 1 Peter 4.10 concisely captures the essence of the New Testament message on this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The ministry and the mission of the church does not advance without Christians being committed to serving God and others by showing God's grace in its various forms through serving. And various forms is uh, the, the collective gifting and creativity within the body. And the examples are many. It's the people with the tech abilities that, that help us get the gospel out through our live stream. It's people willing to host a small group and so, that, so that care and spiritual growth can happen in a circle of relationships. It's people with the gift of preparing uh, great meals for spiritual seekers at Alpha or for a hurting family. It could be a teenager babysitting uh, for free to uh, 
give a tired young couple a night out. It, it's, it's being a youth leader or, or serving in children's ministry. So the younger generation of our church really comes to know and believe that this church, other people in this church really love them. It, it could be visiting an elderly housebound widow. Or, or just calling someone and say, hey, you came to mind. I, I was praying for you. Just thought I'd let you know to encourage you. That's not weird. That's cool. Way to go if you do that. I mean, we could spend a lot of time giving other examples. My Christian friend, if you, if you, if you don't serve in any way, there's, there's never been a better time than to lean into this, to prayerfully think about this in the context of this church. Of course, there's other ways and important ways to serve outside of the body of Christ, but the New Testament speaks specifically, as we just read, about, about serving within, within the body of Christ. And the, and the synergy of, the body of, of, of a body of people using their gifts in a cooperative way is nothing short of powerful and effective, not to mention, again, that it's God's plan for His church. Yes, sometimes it's a lot of work, and sometimes it can be frustrating, but, but it's, it's so spiritually strength-giving as well. And if you don't know your gifts, there's lots of tools. We can help you discover your gifts, but there are always opportunities that don't require any, you know, specific, specialized ability. It's exciting. It's a privilege to serve in God's work because the lives of others are strengthened as we do. And, and God, God is pleased, of course. One of, one of the distinct joys that I have as pastor is observing the many ways that Christ followers in this church serve and, and, and so faithfully and unselfishly. And I, I often become aware of how those acts of serving make a meaningful difference in the lives of other people. It just brings the, the, the way to go, church, comment uh, out of my heart and, 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 and out of my lips. Serving. Thirdly, financial giving is a momentum builder in the local church. We sometimes hear people say, um, well, you shouldn't talk about church. Uh, just shouldn't, sorry, shouldn't talk about money in, in, in church. And I wonder at times, is that because some preachers, uh, maybe ones we've seen on TV more, more specifically, I, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but where they've talked about it, in a, in a manipulative way, in a, in a wrong way. And, and some have, sadly, and, and disturbingly, for sure. And yet, if that were the reason for not talking about a particular topic in church, there'd be probably very few topics that we could talk about. I, that's a sad commentary in some ways, of course, itself. But, but the Bible says a lot, you, many of you know it, a lot about money. And as a pastor, I'm responsible before God to teach fully what the Bible says about everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm committed to that. I'm just letting you know. And one of the reasons, one of the big reasons that God says a lot about money in the Bible is that He knows how it can grip our hearts and take over our lives and cause His character of generosity to shrivel up within us. And He, he does not want that. And that's not good for us. Before we go further on this point, let me say, Eaglemont Church family, the faithfulness 
and, and generosity of your collective giving to God's work through this church over the years has been, has, has been amazing. And, and to be quite honest, it, it, many times humbling to me in a good way. Especially in times, really, I, I, like we're living now where, where, where some churches are saying we, we can't continue or we got to close our doors. Oh, we, we can close our doors. We, we, we must continue. There are too many people in our community and around the world who still need to know about the love and grace of Jesus. And that's the desire behind, behind everything that this church does and, and is about. And that's worth giving to. <laughs> and you need to know that as Eaglemont leaders, pastoral and council leaders, we do not take your worship of giving lightly or flippantly. We're, we're giving together with you. And we must, obviously. Because we're all giving to God and His work through this local church in obedience to Him. I think we can easily think of, you know, prayer and serving as spiritual practices, and they are, as we've just talked about. But, but, but so is financial giving, a spiritual practice, a spiritual habit, a spiritual discipline, as we sometimes say. When we give as worship to God and with the right motive. Giving is a spiritual practice that has direct and significant influence on the momentum and effectiveness of a church. Because as every Christ follower does what God asks us to do in His Word in this, in this area, it's then that the mission of the local church can move forward unhindered. And, and not to mention the, the reshaping of our own character that happens as we, as we do give. I mean, it's, it's obvious that local church ministry and outreach requires finances, of course. God wants the mission of His church to advance, and He wants our hearts to become increasingly, increasingly like His. Therefore, God gets specific about financial giving. And so, as we conclude, I share three specific things, among others, but three things that God says about how He wants Christ followers to practice the spiritual habit of giving that, again, is important fuel for the momentum of, of the church. First one is generously. And again, review for, for, for many of you. Generously, that's how He wants us to give. 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now, that's not a get-rich promise, as you may hear sometimes. No. God, God may bless you with wealth, and He may not. He may choose to bless you in other ways. At the very least, He's promised to provide your needs. But the reality is that growing in generosity is an indicator that God's character is continuing to develop in us because, because God's a giver. He is. It's His nature. He gives life. He gives forgiveness. He gives uh, to, to be sure that our needs are met, as I just alluded to. And, and, of course, the ultimate gift of His Son. And it's been said already, as Pastor Joel led us in those significant moments of communion. He, he gave, Father God gave His Son. We can't claim to be obedient disciples of Jesus and be stingy 
at the same time. Do you know that? We can't. And of course, that takes us into examples beyond money. Yes, yes, but, but money is obviously a, a big part of it. As a matter of fact, I would say to the person, and, and occasionally, you know, um, well, let me, let me just say it this way. If, if you're really big on always saying, yeah, but giving is more than money. Generosity is more than money. I, I don't disagree with you. But if that's always your go-to phrase in conversations about money and giving generously, then I would say it's maybe because money for you is the toughest thing to part with, and it's an area where God needs to work. I don't know. Maybe you, you can let that digest with, with God's direction. But what many of you do know, as, as Miriam and I do as well, is that simple little phrase that most of us have heard if you've been around church for any length of time. And again, it can become kind of a trite little thing to say, and that, no, but there's, 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 there's truth, there's meaning. Many of you have experienced this. You can't outgive God. You, you can't outgive God. Not sure why I'm choking up when I say that. But you, if you know me, you know I do that. But you know what it is? You know what it is? And I'm not saying I've arrived. I'm, Mary and I still desire to grow in giving and generosity in all aspects of life, including our money, that God has called us to be stewards of, wise, godly stewards of, as, as every Christ follower. But you know what it is? As I, as I think about it, you can't outgive God. The faithfulness of God to provide over many years of following Him. I could tell a lot of stories how God has provided. And, and, and many of you could as well. Many of you will experience that as you lean into this. I'm confident of that. Former Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada General Superintendent Bill Morrow wrote this. He said, generosity literally moves us from fear, helping us overcome the fear of not having enough. Ah, yeah. The fear of not having control and not having a God big enough to supply. Wow, what a terrible place to be, trapped in fears like that and so unnecessary. Many of you know that. So, generously, then systematically. In other words, in a regular pattern to help uh, keep us consistent. And I need to speed up here. Worship of giving is not an as-we-feel-like-it thing. God gives the directive in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of the week, every, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So God's reminding us here of, uh, not in a legalistic way, but a systematic, it's referred to as weekly. And, and again, don't get legalistic about that. For, for Miriam and I, our systematic is monthly. So, you know, you, you do what works. God's reminding us of a principle here, more than getting, yeah, more than, more than getting legalistic. This, this verse also touches on the principle of proportionate giving. And uh, there, there's people that will stress 
Uh, you know, well, tithing is the old, is old Testament. And yes, again, they're, they're, they're correct. Christians are not bound to the Old Testament law requirements, and yet we still do see proportionate giving in the New Testament. And, and if anything, under grace, New Testament that we are, um, grace outpaces law every time is how I heard it said once. And I've, I've used that phrase before, and that makes sense to me. In other words, we're not, we're not bound to the Old Testament tithing principle, but our, but our giving in, in, in the era of grace in the New Testament that we live actually should exceed what's laid out as the bare minimum in the Old Testament, right? General, it's about growing in generosity to God's work. So, generously, systematically, and then finally, cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9 reminds us, not, not begrudgingly. We are to give not begrudgingly. Why? Because, because God, the Bible says there in that verse, God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, who of us wants to receive a gift from someone who just doesn't want to give it, but is feeling obligated? And they're just, you know, you can see it on their face. They're reluctant. They're hesitant. They resent that they have to get. I mean, right? We don't, we wouldn't want that. And God's the very same. I think he says, keep, keep your, keep your money until you can give it with a cheerful attitude, actually. Randy Elkhorn, in his little book, The Treasure Principle, uh, refers to Paul's expression in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, where Paul, remember, where he said, excel at the grace of giving. I like that phrase. And Elkhorn writes this uh, about that verse. He says, like, and he picks an example. He says, like piano playing, giving is a skill. Interesting. I never thought about it that way till I read. With practice, he says, we get better at it. We teach the, the pursuit of excellence in our vocations, he says. Why not make giving something we strive for excellence in? Good question. Good question. Good comment. The momentum of the church is accelerated when there's worshipful and generous giving. And not, and not merely because, oh, all of a sudden there's more money to do ministry with, although that, you know, is probably then the case. But the, the, the momentum, listen, the momentum of the church is accelerated more so because of what generous and God-honoring giving does in the heart and the life and the priorities of the individual Christ followers within the body. And the, 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 the spiritual, maybe unquantifiable, but not so unquantifiable uh, change that that brings in the collective body of a local church. It's very cool to think about. And, and, and I believe that we've, we've experienced by God's grace and the obedience of, of many of you, we've experienced that. So, fuel for momentum. Praying, serving, giving. Here, here's the takeaway question as we close. Where is it in, in these three areas, where is it that you need to grow in engagement and commitment in the year that is ahead of us? There, there, there's likely at least one of those three where you, you would say, yeah, I, I, I could stand to to, to go to BibleGateway.com and look up all the words, all the scriptures by punching in the word serving and just letting God's word seep into my heart and mind on that topic so that I serve in the way that God wants me to in honor of Him. Where is it 
in these three. And, and I encourage you to let the Holy Spirit be the one to point that out. Ask Him about this. Oh, maybe it's glaringly obvious to you, and that, that, that will be a quick interaction maybe with, with God in prayer. That's okay too. And, and then ask Him, literally ask Him, to, to give you some specific action steps. And when I say that, I hope you'll do that with pen in hand and a piece of paper or your journal for those that journal. Write the question down. God, where is it in these three, prayer, serving, and giving, that you want me to grow this year? How, God, would you want me to do that? An idea might come to your mind right away. It might not. It might come later. But be attuned to what might be the whisper, the prompting, the idea that God himself plants in your mind about how he wants you to grow. I already know he, he told me on the praying piece to two, two prayer encounters this year. I was being facetious there, but. But really, so, you know, much of, much of the stuff here is, is, is pretty, pretty basic stuff. But there might be a really God idea that you know you wouldn't have thought of on your own. So be open to that is all I'm saying. God, would you help us in this? Help me in this. To be led by your Spirit so that I would increasingly know spiritual and missional momentum in my individual life that makes a difference in body life in this church. Help me. Guide me. Show me where it is you want me to grow in these three areas or one of these three areas particularly. And God, that's our, that's, uh, uh, may, that be, may that be the prayer of each Christ follower who calls Eaglemont their home, their church family. And we give that to you in Jesus' name. Amen.